Good morning. Welcome. How you doing? So, Jack is not here today. He will be back. He's dealing with the lying. Um, and I am disappointed that he is not here for a number of different reasons. In no particular order, I have to work harder when he's not here. Get that out of the way. Number two, I actually enjoy talking to Jack about what's happening in the world every day. It's a lot of fun. And the third reason in particular I wish Jack was here today is uh, because of our next guest. Uh, Ken Cole is a long-time and highly respected executive in uh, news radio and talk radio uh, on the West Coast of the United States. And, uh, and, and Ken actually got his start in radio, as I recall, in freeform album rock on the East Coast. So is like both Jack and me, music freak, a music freak from way back. Um, and most notably, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he's the guy who hired us for our first talk radio gig 20 years ago. And he joins us now. Ken, how are you? Joe, Ken Cole here. <laughs> uh, didn't you get... Didn't you get the memo about birthdays and anniversaries on the air? <laughs> Ken Nobody Cole can. is also Nobody a guy cares. who will do a Ken Cole imitation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, how are you, old friend? Great, just great, great. I'm, I'm glad, glad to hear how great you guys are doing. Well, you know what? It's, it's a one-day-at-a-time thing, as you know. The minute you decide you're entitled to your audience, you're doomed. Yes. And, and so we just keep grinding. Ken is currently, by the way... Uh, AT&T content and technical integrations, um, online, social, mobile apps, radio and TV, supporting sales production. Wow, that sounds like a hell of a gig. Well, you know, we made the transition uh, out of uh, Sacramento to San Francisco for CBS for a crazy talk radio format. Some of you, nine or ten of you will remember, uh, 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 Free FM, uh, which lasted a very short period of time. And, uh, yeah, wound up getting involved with uh, an old buddy of mine who we both worked for, I think, uh, Jimmy DeCastro. Mm-hmm. And uh, through a series of acquisitions, uh, wound up at DirecTV with a radio show, the Dan Patrick Show. And then AT&T uh, purchased uh, DirecTV. And now we're part of this uh, monstrous uh, AT&T Entertainment Group uh, involved specifically with creation of original content, both for radio, television, and a ton of digital as well. Excellent. And uh, that's yeah, great. Just but great. enough about you. Let's talk more about me and Jack. Um, so this is Jack's opening question. Um, he's not here, but but here it is. Did you hire us because you heard something promising or because we said yes for such a small amount of money or because it was a dying station, so what difference did it make? Or all three? All of the above. <laughs> but But primarily, I heard that there were two guys on a music station, who were just talking too damn much. Oh, yeah. I, I figured if you were talking too much on the music station, you probably had something to say, Ooh. and uh, thought we'd give it a try. And since it was such a low-dough deal, yeah, we were, we were all over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, literally, Ken, and, and we told you the story ages ago, but literally, we said to ourselves, we got to get into talk radio, because we're just doing a talk show between records anyway, and this is stupid. Right. And the other thing was I had to do something for radio listeners. I had to do away with uh, uh, Out of the Sack with Joe and Jack. Oh, I mean, God. Please. Yeah. What, you know what? What, what? I'd rather you bring up old girlfriends than bring that up. 
But so, listen, um, this is uh, 20 years, for folks just tuning in, uh, Jack and I celebrating our 20th anniversary in talk radio, um, and, and 20 years on our original talk radio station, KSD in Sacramento. Um, when, when we talked to you first about taking uh, coming to work for you, and we did an audition show, and it went okay, I thought, and, and we talked on the phone, you and Jack and I, and... And it was precisely at the point in the conversation where it felt like it's going to turn to, so, okay, what are we going to do? Are we, is there maybe an offer is going to come, et cetera, et cetera? And you said, oh, for goodness sakes, listen, somebody just came to my office. I have to, I have to deal with them. Uh, Let me call you in 20 minutes. And two days went by before you called. And Jack and I had decided, well, that didn't work out. Oh, well. And then you called like it was 22 minutes later and said, so anyway, what do you think about coming over? Which is absolutely, I mean, for folks who know you and how busy you were in those days and probably are now, it's typical Ken Cole. But you had us completely convinced we were doomed. I believe it was the art of the deal, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) That's right. You're trying to rattle us. So we'd take the aforementioned... uh, very low salary. Well, hey, listen, uh, Ken, um, you know, you. Uh, it's funny. I never want to grovel too much for the listening audience. Back to an earlier uh, discussion. I mean, we thank people for listening. We really thank them for their support, and we mean it. But it's a two-way street. You know, um, we try to do the best show we can. And if we ever start to suck, they're going to stop listening. And that's fair. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate you taking a chance on us. But... Uh, you know, we work like crazy to do the best show we can so we would all win. Uh, but we do appreciate that leap of faith very much. Well, it, 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 it's part of my DNA, and unfortunately, it's not part of uh, AM radio's DNA to keep trying new things, to keep changing, to keep going outside the envelope. And at that time, you guys were that. And for me, it was really, albeit two days later, uh, an obvious <laughs> choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, getting back to your free-form radio days. Yeah, that clearly oh. is in your DNA. That, that This is a blank canvas. I mean, what, a, what an exciting thing. And I, I just hate some, the, some of the print shop aspects of radio these days. You know, my, uh, that, that's something I've carried with me all of these years. You know, I did free-form progressive radio uh, in Denver and uh, in New York on Long Island. It's almost... 50 years ago, but that DNA, that vibe, that desire to keep giving people something they can't get elsewhere is what continues to drive my career uh, all these years later. And most recently, it's been taking that same energy and moving it into, uh, into digital and, quite frankly, into TV. And it all comes from, you're absolutely right, from my earliest days in the medium. Well, if the technology ever gets good enough to make us handsome, maybe you can get a uh, get us a TV gig or something like that, or I don't know, maybe a website. I don't think that, I don't think that matters anymore. Write a blog. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, Ken Cole, the guy who hired us 20 years ago. Ken, thanks for carving out a little time to just say hello. Great, Joe. Thanks and, for the call. And I know it's unlikely. And and listen, honestly, we are we're lucky right now. We've gone through some weird lean years working with some real putzes. We work with some really smart people right now. Thank goodness. But uh, if you ever decide to come back to radio, man, radio would be glad to have you. That's great. Thank you very much. Right. Have a great day, guys. Thanks, Ken. You too. 
Yeah, it was funny. It was funny. Ken, at that time, was he was juggling a couple of different stations, including a 24-hour-a-day news station and, and the talk station. And his office was, um, he was constantly besieged by people who needed something. Um, he had, I don't, he wasn't the news director. I think he had a news director at that point, but there was always a line at his door. Can we get to the candidate reporters? Can we get to the budget? And, and so, you know, knowing him as long as I have now, it didn't surprise me at all, but that whole, yeah, guys, uh, yeah, yeah, we ought to continue this. I'll call you in 20 minutes. And then two days go by. (laughs) Oh man, I'll never forget that feeling. And then, uh, God, I was doing our contracts at that. Point, and Ken was in charge of negotiating the deal. And the long and short of it, it was it was a dead radio station. It had no ratings. They had discussed unplugging it to save money. And it had, you know, the staff costs of like one of those kiosks in the mall. And like one person working, you know, a couple of different shifts. Um, and so, you know, they were talking about shaving a tiny minute, a tiny bit of the overall, uh, you know, uh, the, the cluster, the radio cluster, their budget by closing the station, but they thought, hell, if we save 350 bucks, why not do it? Um, and so, yeah, I sit, I, I remember sitting there in a restaurant talking about how much money we were going to get. And we were, you know, we were, we were doing pretty well in music radio and, and we started working for less than half of what we were making to get into talk radio. Cause we knew that was going to be our future. But, uh, so Ken was there cause he had no budget. That's, that's right. That's the thought I started. So he had no budget whatsoever. So, He's, I mean, we're, we're signing on for poverty wages and he's trying to grind like another 50 bucks a month out of us. And I'm trying to grind it back into the deal. And it was just so pathetic, uh, looking back on it. But you know what? It's those experiences, they make you who you are eventually later in life. Anyway, so, uh, 20 years, we do thank you very much for the support. Uh, those of you listening, particularly those uh, who are, been there since the beginning um but you know honestly people tuning in who who say uh, this show is very strange it um, is but thank you michael but i will uh michael who's been here for 18 and a half of those 20 years um those of you think hmm what the hell they they at least seem sincere maybe i'll listen a little bit longer we thank you very much too but as i said to ken we're perfectly content with that bargain if we ever stop trying to do the best show we can every single day feel free to tell us to go to hell it's a fair deal all right moving back to the news of the day and the reaction to our queen bee women in the workplace uh, segment yesterday also the science why gals like to take hot selfies oh and and bullet train madness i gotta decide which uh, order to do all this stuff in because it's all pretty damn good but uh, hang around it's the armstrong you getty show Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. All right. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That was then. This is now. Time to get back to the present day. I can't decide. It's so much to talk about. So many, so many important stories, impactful stories. 
And there's the Beltway gossip we're inundated with on a daily basis that ultimately will mean nothing, but the media is obsessed with. Where does one go? Where does one go? One goes to the science behind, behind hot selfies. Love them or hate them, selfies are constantly flooding our social media feeds. For many women, it's about seeing, being seen as sexy or glamorous, but why? Researchers have figured it out, and it might not be what you think. University of New South Wales researcher Candace Blake, I wonder if her lab is just a whole queen beehive where all the women are backstabbing and, and gossipy and the rest of it. I don't know. More on that to come. Man, people's reactions to that topic yesterday were huge and, in, ex, and entirely one-sided. Anyway. University of New South Wales researcher Candace Blake says, next time you see a woman adjusting her bikini provocatively with her phone at the ready, don't think of her as vacuous or a victim. Quote, think of her as a strategic player in a complex social and evolutionary game. The study revealed women tend to sexualize themselves in environments with greater economic inequality rather than where they might be oppressed because of their gender. I wouldn't have thought that second one anyway. I wonder, it's an interesting argument that they're going against and i mean nobody's posting sexy selfies in saudi arabia for instance i mean because you'd get in trouble but anyway let's not get hung up on that they analyzed tens of thousands of social media posts across 113 countries selfies that were tagged sexy hot or similar or showed boobies and this uh, article helpfully has lots of uh, examples of sexy Selfies. I, I, I can picture them. Here's what a sexy selfie might look like. Stop it. We then looked at where in the world these things happen most. The number one way that psychologists usually look at women's preoccupation with their appearance is that it happens because of patriarchal pressures, that women live in societies that value their appearance more than other qualities. Oh, I, I, okay, that's phrased better. I, okay, I get that argument. The argument is usually that when you see sexualization, you see disempowerment. All women are are, are, uh, T's and A's, in other words. What we found instead is that women are more likely to invest time and effort into posting sexy selfies and and other things, which we'll get to in a second, but uh, online in places where economic inequality is rising and not in places where men hold more societal power and gender inequality is rife. They found the findings were consistent across different geographic locations, even after taking into account and controlling for other factors that could influence patterns like population size, human development, Internet access. Human development, what does that mean? Like economic development? Human development. Anyway, let's not get hung up. They say income inequality increases competitiveness and status anxiety among people at all levels of the social hierarchy, all both sexes making them sensitive to where they sit on the social ladder and wanting them to do better than others. Human development is defined as the process of enlarging people's freedoms and opportunities. I like that. And she goes on to say that income inequality is a big predictor of sexy selfies, suggesting that sexy selfies are a marker marker of social climbing among women that tracks economic incentives in the local environment. Rightly or wrongly, in today's environment, looking sexy can generate large returns economically, socially, and personally. Uh, The researchers then found the exact same pattern in real-world spending in other appearance-enhancing areas. What we found in more than a 1,000 different economic areas in the U.S., so they broke the U.S. down by more than a 1,000 different areas. 
Um, when looking at women's spending in beauty salons and clothing stores, is that income inequality is also predicting this type of spending. Researchers say the finding makes sense from an evolutionary point of view. And again, this this returns us to a truth that you know we should go to again and again and again. It's a point I make again and again and again. The the modern professors of this, that, and the other studies that are trying to build these frameworks and paradigms of oppression and enlightenment and advancement and these complex charts showing who's oppressing whom and the rest of it. No, this all goes back to our animal nature over and over and over again. And if you understand anthropology and the nature of the animal that we are, you don't need those stupid-ass professors and their crazy theories and their oppressive desire to control people's speech and ideas and the rest of it, um, which is probably why they reject you know, the basics, because they'd be out of a job. But anyway, this uh, doctor, this uh, scientist gal says, in evolutionary terms, these types of behaviors are completely rational, even adaptive. The basic idea is that the way people compete for uh, mates and other benefits they do to put themselves at the top of the hierarchy. They're really important. This is where the research fits in. It's all about how women are competing and why they're competing. So when a young woman adjusts her bikini provocatively with her phone at the ready, don't think of her as vacuous or as a victim. Think of her as a strategic player in a complex social and evolutionary game. She's out to maximize her lot in life, just like everyone. Now, a person could point out that modern society, civilization, etc., is in large measure an effort to get us beyond our animal impulses. Because, as anybody who's a fan of the Enlightenment knows, as opposed to the romantic uh, notions of the world, nature isn't beautiful and, and gentle and harmonious. It's freaking vicious and bloody and brutal and fraught with murder and rape and thievery and and grasping at resources without regard to anything but gain. And civilization has given nobility. So you could make the argument, well, okay, to be define yourself as your body parts is is base and gross and debasing and and the rest of it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I suppose. You can make that argument. On the other hand, the beast that dwells within all of us is consciously or unconsciously looking for advantages anywhere we can find them. On the other hand, the fact that frequently Kim Kardashian selfies don't even have her head in them. <laughs> They're just her body parts. <laughs> I can make as eloquent an argument as I want about adaptive and looking for advantage in the environment. No, that's kind of just look at my boobs. Look at my boobs. I got big boobs on me. Look at my boobs. That's science, Marshall. That's real science. That's real science. Not uh-huh. one of your ridiculous coffee studies. Right, indeed. What do you have for us in the news? Well, coming up, salty language from Lindsey Graham about the president. Trump, meanwhile, blasting rumors about White House counsel McGahn's leaving his post and KFC's big money offer to new parents. Stories will be coming up. I hope it's not some sort of bizarre baby stunt food thing that KFC did. Not baby stunt food. All right, stay tuned. We'll all find out together on the Armstrong and Getty Show. You know what I didn't mention during our chat with 
Ken Cole, who hired Jack and me 20 years ago, is that uh, we kind of dragged him into the modern age of talk radio. (laughs) He was still pretty traditional uh, at the time. One topic per hour. Set the table and take calls. The callers are our hit records. Was the oh, the callers are our hit records. Wow. And, uh, and we, uh, we, we, we fought yeah. <laughs> a lot of the conventional thinking <laughs> for a very long time. And, um, and, and people were kind of mad at us a lot. Not kind of. They were mad at us a lot. But as the ratings kept going up and we went from a station that was about to get unplugged to number one in the market... Um, that, that buys you a little latitude, yeah. as you might imagine. Uh, I wouldn't want to relive those days, man. They were tense at times. Tense. Uh, there's one other thing I was going to say about that. Uh, I don't know. It'll pop into my head. You know, I do, I do remember when, uh, when I uh, first uh, came over and joined you guys, you had an office by the Coke machine. Was oh, that, that was that long ago? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was like a broom closet. Yeah. The uh, general manager of the station at the time... Uh, was very unhappy with us, as was Ken, I think. Yeah, and um, and had told us, listen, what the station is over here. What you guys are doing is over here. We need to either come together on that, or it's not going to continue. And we said, okay. And uh, then for some reason, they needed our office for something else. And there was like a, <laughs> there was probably like a, just a coincidence. Th- right, right. There was an like a little ante room. It was like a. A tiny lobby out the back door. Right. And uh, I'll tell you how tiny it was in a second, but it was right outside the uh, vending room, where there were like three vending machines right. and a sink. Right. <laughs> and Your then was there outside. was like the fire and the, exit. And, and, and the bathrooms, right? Well, yeah, they were kind yeah. of around the yeah. corner. Okay. But <laughs> So you literally had the vending room, then this tiny little lobby, um, <laughs> yeah. and then the back exit. And they said, yeah, your new lobby is that tiny, or your new office, rather, is that tiny little lobby in the back exit. And the team at that point was Jack and me and our uh, our producer, Scott. And we had, I think, one desk in there, but the three of us literally could not physically be in there at one time unless we opened that back exit and one of us sat outside. Right. And that was our office at the time. Oh. Um, that was yeah. that was living large, I'll tell you. I remember being told never to hit sounds because people hate it. No, never hit the, the yeah, little the sound tapes you play. The sound and stuff yeah, like oh that. no, that's stupid. That's just a terrible oh, thing. Man. Right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, our uh, our skyrocket to success was it's a bit of a collaborative effort, and uh, you know it wasn't always collaborative. But anyway, you know those that stuff's funny to look back on, but damn, was that stressful? Because right. I had I had two preschoolers and an infant at home, and things were not going well, and we were constantly fighting with management. And uh, that was that was a very very stressful time, but got through it. Right? Uh, let's see. Let's get to the news. Marshall Phillips here, Marsh. Well, Senator Lindsey Graham got salty today. He's not happy about President Trump's handling. My lands, Lindsey Graham. He's not happy with uh, Trump's handling of Senator John McCain's death. Graham called it very disturbing, he, and he told CBS News... It bothers me greatly when the president says things about John McCain. It pisses me off to no end, and I let the president know it. There you go. Graham oh. was one of McCain's closest friends, the South Carolina Republican, also close to the president, so... I am not going to give up on the idea of working with this president. The best way I can honor John McCain is help my country. There you go. Well said. 
Trump and McCain had a tumultuous relationship, prompting in barbs back and forth from both men. McCain insisting Trump not come to his funeral, then Trump lowering, raising, and lowering flags to the White House after his death. It was ludicrous. Life-wise, John McCain, headline, captured, tortured, etc., wouldn't come home unless his men came home. Uh, incredibly admirable. He made uh, enormous sacrifices for his country. Can never be forgotten. Meanwhile, politically, wait, Marshall, there's right. a yang here. Right, Where there's, there's a, a yin. Hey, there's a yang. The uh, yang is, yeah. politically speaking, what will remain in my memory for the rest of my days, is that he is part of the establishment, the swamp, if you will, that is spending this country into oblivion and stealing from our children and grandchildren on a mind-boggling level. It is It is the least morally defensible act any government can can do, short of genocide. He was a full participant in that, and when the Tea Party movement attempted to stop it, right. he stabbed the Tea Party movement in the back from the right. Not, not you know, progressives who want giant government and high taxes. And a, he, while pretending to be a friend, was sponsoring the IRS persecution of the Tea Party movement. Um, and, you know, that that is his political legacy in my mind. Meanwhile, on the president's decision about White House counsel Don McGahn leaving in the fall, Donald Trump was busy tweeting this morning, quote, The rigged Russia witch hunt did not come into play even a little bit with respect to my decision on Don McGahn. I am very pleased about the person who is going to be taking the place of Don as White House counsel. I like Don, but he was not responsible for me not firing Bob Mueller or Jeff Sessions, so much fake reporting and fake news. You know, it's funny, Marshall. I was rolling in this morning, and I happened to be listening to CNN. Fake news! And they had a WAPO and New York Times reporter on, one after the other, talking about that very story. Those are the two big stories right. that, that you're referencing. And the president was obviously watching as I was listening, because in real time, they were saying, oh, the president just tweeted again. He said what you just said, and he was obviously watching him, and they began referencing the president. (laughs) Mr. President, we know you're watching, so maybe you'd like to explain why, blah, 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 and then the president would tweet about it. So it was weird. (laughs) All right, lastly, Kentucky Fried Chicken wants to honor their founder with a baby name contest. The fast food giant is offering $11,000 for college to the first baby named Harlan to be born on what would have been Colonel Harlan Sanders' 128th birthday. Ah, Set- saddling an infant with a novelty name. Uh-uh. <laughs> he is like a little baby. That's right, Mr. President. That would be September the 9th. That would be his birthday. Last year, Harlan ranked 3,257th on the list of most common baby names. So they're trying to... Get the name up the list. Make it more popular. In case you're wondering why they're giving away the unusual sum of $11,000, it's, of course, in honor of KFC's 11 Herbs and Spices. All right, fine. Uh, Harlan's a good name. That's an old-timey name. Yeah, it is. is. Although, is that the the male version of Harlot? You're a Harlan? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, we got a link to the website at armstrongandgiddy.com. Check out Hot Links if you want to get in on it. Just a quick note, Marshall. Usually we make places buy advertisements. You know, that we make them pay for that. 
You know? Yeah, Marshall, are you, you getting a bucket of chickens? Yeah, let's let's you, let's talk seriously here. Are, are you suggesting I'm in the pocket of big chicken? Yes, yes, I am. Big greasy fried chicken. <laughs> yes. yes, yummy, yummy yes. greasy fried chicken. At your news, I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm strong and giddy show, the conscience of the nation. Gee, I hope. Oh, sorry, Squawky. I hope A and W has some dopey promotion tomorrow that we can give them free advertising for. It. Yes, the English meaning of the name Harlan is from the Hare's land, so he's from the land where the rabbits were. Rabbit? That's not a great name. Who gives a crap how many rabbits there are where you come from? I mean, unless they're like a really, really lot of rabbits. Because that's uh, that'd be kind of interesting. We got a couple of rabbits who live in our front yard under the bushes. Yeah. Uh, the one is kind of um, Baxter hasn't gotten to him yet. Well, no, he, he doesn't run around the front yard. Oh, okay. Uh, we're afraid of what he might bite. But uh, uh, we call the one Scrappy because it, it's kind of bedraggled. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. mate we call Skanky. <laughs> Scrappy and skanky. They're I'm hearing rabbit. a lot of compassion over God, there. No kidding. Yeah, we're kind of adopted them. It's kind yeah. of sweet. <laughs> rabbit love. Uh, believe it or not, and the hilarious tape from the Aretha celebrations and then and, and Queen Bees and all sorts of good stuff coming on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. veteran, homeless, spent his last $20 to buy gas for a couple that was stranded. A man with nothing spent his last dollars to help another human being, in fact, a couple. That man's name is Johnny Bobbitt Jr. The brothers had some drug problems. He's been in and out of rehab, having a tough time of life. Nonetheless, he granted Kate McClure and her husband or man or whatever uh, $20 to get home, even though that's usually a scam. Ah, boy. Anyway, they befriended him. Out of gratitude, they even let him use a camper on their property. And then when he went to rehab and cleaned up his act, they, they, they went online and they got a GoFundMe going for him, $400,000 so this Marine could get a home. Well, now Johnny is suing them because apparently they've used that money uh, as a personal piggy bank. He doesn't have a house. They spent more than half of the $402,000 raised to fund a lifestyle they couldn't otherwise afford. Bobbitt had been wondering, for instance, how uh, Ms. McClure, a receptionist, could afford a brand new BMW. The couple said, yeah, we, we kind of accidentally used about 500 bucks of it uh, on gambling, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was a mistake. We'll repay it. No problem. They said, yeah, we're just holding on to it so Johnny doesn't spend it because he's back on drugs again. Well, Bobbitt's lawyers are saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These two yahoos, how'd they end up with no gas anyway and no money? What's going on there? 
Johnny's lawyers are saying, look, the days of them being in charge of the money need to be over. That clearly, clearly seems to be the case. You got a 35-year-old Marine on hard times. He helps you out. Then you decide to use him as your... It's like, you know, it's like the people who fake their kids' cancer and collect contributions. Sick. Anyway, I hope the full weight of justice falls down upon these two 'er ne'er-do-wells. Unbelievable. And Johnny, dude, I hope you can uh, get your stuff together. That's rough. Don't start on the drugs, kids. I got a story over here. I'm not even going to tell you about it. Well, I'll tell you about it briefly, obviously. I brought it up. Um, Junkies are injuring their pets so their pets can get painkillers. And then the junkies can steal them. I don't think it probably happened 50,000 times, but it's happened enough that they've asked the vets to be on the alert for this. I'm telling you. You know, the the whole anti-drug campaigns of the 80s back when I was a younger man. Gladys, feel free to pluck that beautiful harp of yours. You've been sitting here for days without playing a damn note. Maybe you'd like to go ahead and play something. I shouldn't yell at her. She's a World War I vet. And I'm a Christian man. Anyway, I remember the uh, the anti-drug stuff of the 80s. Just say no. Or this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. They were just stupid. Stupid. But I do remember, was it a movie or one of those anti-drug ads where a guy is crawling around in a not nice toilet stall because he dropped his his hit of uh, crack or cocaine or something like that? He's crawling around in the, the filth and the pee and the rest of it. Sorry to be, you know, gross, folks, but... um. Looking for drugs, and it was good good representation of how you can debase yourself. Um, man, that made an impression on me. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Uh, let's see, where were we going? Ah, yes, ah, yes. We got to make. I got to make sure I don't run out of time for this. We'll try to get to the in and out boycott, which will never go anywhere, and people are stupid. But uh, first of all, uh, who could forget the the Reverend Al Sharpton with his loving and sincere tribute. To his good friend, Aretha Franklin. R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Oh, Reverend Al, that was some touching stuff. Dig this, if you will. This is at one of uh, Aretha's memorial services. Whereas I understand it, they're moving hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of merch. These The, the memorial services have become giant t-shirt shops. And, and people are getting rich off of the dead soul singer. But uh, also, stuff like this is happening. He says, counting on his stupid computer work. I'm sorry, what was that, Reverend Al? R E S P I C T. Okay, accuracy aside, she commits to it. Yeah. She sells it. You know what? You're right. You're right. As a <coughs> sometime rock and roll singer, I will tell you this. You go for that note like you're going to hit it. Because if you go for it like you're not sure if you can hit it, you're not going to hit it. 
So you might as well just let, let it all hang out. Go for it now. Go for it. So I think we got R-E-S-P-T. That's what I want from me, which is an excellent point because it starts with self-respect. That's a good point. Other people can't respect you until you respect yourself. And then I think the second one is R-S-P-C-T. She got another letter in there. The Tony LaRousse of the soul singing there. That's some good singing, baby. (laughs) Positive Sean, if that isn't the opening clip, Oh, we're not doing a live show tomorrow. I'm sure we'll find a way to make that. Yes, please. Yes, please. It'll still be good when we come back. Um, Yeah, we're celebrating our actual 20th anniversary by not working for various reasons uh, tomorrow, but it'll be fabulous. Apparently, the good folks at In-N-Out Burgers, who uh, not only craft absolutely delicious chow, but... Have the best, most helpful, pleasant people working there of anybody that serves food on Earth. They're also conservative people and Christians, and they are Republicans. Evidently, they as a corporation gave $25,000 to the California Republican Party, and so angry Twitter users are calling for a boycott. No, boycott them because their fries aren't good three seconds after they take them out of the fryer. Oh, hey, That's now. why you boycott them. Oh, stop it. Uh, for every burger not eaten by boycotters, I pledge to eat three. Personally, bastards. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show.